Hello and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers. The Story Stream presents podcast where I, Mike Burge, it me, I'm the only one that hosts this podcast, uh, sits down with a friend or friends and talks about a movie or movies or anything around that while having some drinks. And today uh, I am joined by the absolutely lovely and sometimes spooky Diana Demiro. <laughs> sometimes spooky, huh? Sometimes spooky. <laughs> We can all be a little spooky sometimes. Hello. Uh, and we are doing a special episode. Uh, they're always special. But this one, we are going to be covering not one, not two, not three, not four, but five movies. Woof. We're covering the Insidious franchise um, leading up to the recent release of Insidious The Red Door. Um, which we saw when it was released uh, about a month ago. Mm-hmm. And we have been uh, meaning to sit down to uh, talk about this one for a bit because before Insidious the Red Door came out, we were on a little bit of a uh, an bender. odd like uh, bender of watching a bunch of the Conjuring movies and the Insidious movies and... Uh, Getting them confused because Patrick Wilson's and yeah, everything. You get all that in there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do love that Patrick Wilson is a spooky boy. Yeah. And he's just like, I will be in these spooky movies with my friends and will eventually direct The Red Door, which we are going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot to get to, so we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to be going over the movies in um, a release order. Uh, starting with Insidious in 2010, which was written by Lee Winnell and directed by James Wan. Uh, We are going to be talking spoilers in all these bad boys. So if you don't want to get spoiled, Yeah, so spoiler warning for the Insidious, the Red Door, since that's the newbie. That's the newbie. Yeah, We are going to spoil stuff. Yeah, we're going to be talking about all the movies kind of at once as we go through uh, and just kind of like keying on in to uh, each of the installments. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's jump in. I mean, Insidious, the first one, uh, my first initial thoughts on it are, you know, straight off the bat, I think that this is the best one out of all five, just because it's the first one. Yeah. Just because it's got, I agree. It's got like that kind of flair to it where like in 2010, we really hadn't hit like that kind of quote-unquote elevated horror mainstream like the A24 would put out. Blumhouse really wasn't doing too much at that time. So getting a really good, like well-financed, well-cast, really good-looking mainstream horror movie was like not the most normal thing, especially one that kind of has a very different take on everything. Did you see that when it came out? I did, yeah. I didn't see it until a couple years after it had come out because I think at that point I was still like working outside a lot and Mm -hmm. so I would often miss first run of things in the theater because I would be like camping for a week or two at a time. Mm -hmm. So I remember that coming out but I didn't catch it. It would have been probably really fun to see in a theater with a lot of people. I saw all of these movies in the theater besides the fourth one, uh, The Last Key. The last key. The last key. Um, which is probably my last on this list, too. Uh, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, Insidious, uh, for those that don't know, which thanks for listening to the podcast anyway. Uh, um, Insidious is just kind of like a story about um, a family uh, in particular uh, and a group of paranormal um, fighters tackling demons from an astral plane known as the Further. That's kind of the most specific 
way to kind of round about like what these movies are kind of about. Yeah, it's like a family moves into a new house, thinks the house is haunted, but it turns out the family's really the ones that are haunted and the ghosts are following them. Doesn't matter where they live. Um, yes. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. The, the 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 family in question are the Lamberts, uh, Josh and Renee, um, played by Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne. Yeah, man. Going back to that first one when we rewatched everything, I was like, "Damn, son! I forgot Rose Byrne was in these." Yeah, she's killing it. She's doing good. <laughs> Rose Byrne. And they're uh, they have uh, two sons, Dalton and Foster, and uh, a young infant daughter named uh, Kaylee. Who we don't, it doesn't matter what doesn't her name is because she she's the baby and she never gets any speaking lines. No, not even in the red door when um, she's kind <laughs> of grown she's up. Probably uh, in uh, middle school. Her. Doesn't don't matter. Worry about her. Um, but no, so Dalton is the main kid, and Dalton is the one that eventually ends up being plagued by like astral projections and uh, demonic forces attempting to get in, and uh, maybe a little bit of possession. Yeah, he thinks he's having crazy dreams and what he doesn't realize is in his dreams he's leaving his body and strolling around this void called the further the further the further which is just like a gigantic <laughs> just black space that which our characters just, are walking through it's the same as your house but all the lights are off and you can't see more than a few feet in front of your face yeah stranger things <laughs> ripped it off like six years later true mm-hmm. I mean, they did it on like a slightly, probably bigger budget. Yeah, yeah, for sure, they threw for sure. All the money at yeah, that show. Yeah, um, But that's pretty much the gist. Uh, the it's... the parents don't know what's going on. Uh, the mother of um, Patrick Wilson's character, Josh, uh, mentions that like something weird happened when you when you were a kid, and then they oh, get these Lorraine played Lorraine. by who? Tell me, she's the what's her name? Come on, Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey. Barbara Hershey. Yeah, yeah. She's the big ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Barbara. Barbara. Barbara Hershey. And then um, they call upon uh, the uh, efforts of one Elise, who is played by Lynn Shay, who is kind of the, is going to become like the... She should be the main character. I mean, in, in a way that like, you know, like... Uh, She's more Professor, interesting than Josh. Dr. Loomis in the Halloween movies yeah. is not the main character, but he is right. like the one that kind of... Goes from one to the other and completely understands the evil right, that everybody's the, dealing with. The franchise with. is kind of like, what if we took Dr. Loomis and gave him a couple movies of his own? Well, yes. But <laughs> unfortunately, in this movie, too, spoilers like jumping to the end, uh, they kill she Lynche at the end of the first movie. And she appears in all of the other movies yeah, in one way or another. Her. And they figure out some pretty interesting ways to get around it. Can you imagine if they hadn't killed her, though? Then... That could have been just a through line for the rest of the movies instead of them having to jump around for prequels and I mean, my whatever hot, else. My hot take is I kind of do like the loopage of this series, whether it's like direct sequels or prequels leading back in and kind of showing like... Yeah, it's there, all connected. There is like, we'll talk about it more in chapter two, but there is this kind of like untimeliness to the yeah. further where things are not kind of happening all in order. Time's not linear. Certain things that happen in future movies are shown to be things that were happening actually in the previous movie, uh, whether in like kind of just like a rewrite design or all by design. That's pretty cool. It that is, is true. neat. I think that's one, one of the particular. things that's the funnest about it is that yeah. it's it's very 
it, it it's into having fun with the mythology and the canon and like the chronology of like everything. Sure. Um, but they they hire her and uh, her two little helpers. One is played by Lee Winnell himself, which uh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that's Lee Winnell. He's a cutie I patootie. I didn't realize that that was Lee Winnell. I didn't know that that was him after rewatching all these movies. Yeah. <laughs> he plays uh, Specs, and then Angus Sampson plays Tucker, uh, and they are kind of like the uh, tech side. They're kind of like ghost hunters. Yeah, they're like the ghost hunter side of, at like, Elise they, actually has, like, yeah. paranormal, like, uh, like, uh, gifts. Like, she can, yeah. she can see demons. Like, it's kind she of inferred that, them. that uh, Specs and Tucker are a little bit pulling a fast one on people. Like, they, yeah. they think there's ghosts, but then... Ghost hunter stuff. They're yeah. kind of, like, pretending and using all their gadgets, but then they meet... Elise and they're like, holy shit, Elise actually can talk to you, ghosts and right. dead people and all the things. They they get in there and they're like, something's up with your boy, Dalton. And uh, there's like, uh, we get introduced to the... And Dalton's in a quote unquote coma. Coma, but they don't know what it is. But he's not really in a coma. Uh, the mom, played by Rose Byrne, uh, Renee is... Constantly seeing stuff in classic horror movie fashion, you know, the, the mom is seeing everything and the uh, dad is kind of like skeptical and thinks that she's just losing her mind because she's a woman. And like, I mean, that's what they do. Am I right? Oh, um, I mean, that's it's just one of those tropes of horror movies that it's sure. like, no, that's like the fun thing. It's like it, you got to have some people kind of being stupid yeah. for this stuff to happen. Patrick Wilson. He's got some dumb moments. He's got to, we're going to talk about Patrick Wilson in a little bit because I kind of want to dive deep into him once we get into like him making Directing. his first directorial effort and like yeah. the directors he's worked with before and True. like how that does kind of like really seep into his approach to directing, I think, in The Red Door. Cool. Uh, I did want to try and see it again before uh, recording this, but we've just been so gosh darn busy, folks. That's okay. That's boy, okay. oh boy. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, we get introduced to the um, Lipstick Face Demon. Which is such a weird name. A lot of these guys don't really get names yeah. in the movie. So you kind of just have to go off of like, someone just said, the man who can't breathe. And you're like, well, I guess that's the name of the demon. <laughs> yeah, but the Lipstick Face Demon has kind of got this weird like black and red makeup. Looks like Darth Maul. Yeah, he looks like Darth Maul. He's got yellow eyes. Mm-hmm. He's got like crazy bedhead hair. Like he's, he's, got a, he's a little bit the, like heat miser, sort of. He's got big heat miser <laughs> energy got, um, for sure. He's like Hades in the animated, uh, you know, Hercules sort of. In a way, like he's sure. got the like hair on fire kind of. I like, would say that shape in attitude. <laughs> like he is, he's giving big James Woods energy. Yeah, I he will say that he yeah. doesn't really get to speak per se. No. But Just he's got make some scary great noises. music taste. He's got great music taste. He's always putting his records on, he's making and making his captives listen to his music choices. Playing some Tiny Tim. Yeah. Uh, just toiling away in this like old abandoned theater in the further. A very interesting character that like I think yeah. remains interesting because they don't really delve too much into. I kind of wouldn't mind uh, more of that backstory. At this, I really thought that they were going to in the Red Door. Yeah. I thought they were going to give us maybe just a little bit, but they're kind of like, nah, it's scary because you don't know who the fuck he is. Like, you're like, yeah, that sure. is true. That's correct. He's just a demon. Um, but uh, we get introduced to him. He's really the one that's kind of like really trying to get into Dalton. The whole thing is about possession. Uh, 
people that are in the further, these spirits are like these tormented spirits that want to try and get into people. And they can do that when they're in these kind of like comatose or astral projecting states. Right. Uh, because they become not aware of body. them. Yeah, yeah, they become aware of them. And they're like, oh, we want you. They're hungry, hungry hippos. They want the souls of these people. Yeah. And all of these movies, guys, we're not going to be just recapping play by play each one. The first one just really sets down all of the rules. Sure. That'll make it a lot easier to get through the rest of the movies. Um, but so they... It's revealed that Patrick Wilson's character, Josh, when he was a kid, his mom, Lorraine, Barbara Hershey, uh, called upon Elise, Lin Che, uh, when and, they were younger in Carl. 1986. This guy, Carl, who we will talk about. <laughs> Carl. Carl is a oh boy. Um, uh, to suppress memories from in, in Josh's mind because he was being tormented by a similar demon because he has the same gifts quote unquote that Dalton has the abilities to astral project and visit the further and come into contact with these uh, demonic forces so he doesn't remember any of this but he can astral project and so the end of Insidious which is why it's such an amazing movie you know the whole movie is essentially just like a haunted house movie Mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing and then the last half hour is Josh going into the further, like on this like battle and search to find his son. Right. And going into this thing that we've really only heard about. Right. And given very small glimpses of. And then all of a sudden we're thrown into it and we're learning all of the rules. Yeah. As he's going about it, which I think is great. Some rules are kind of explained to us up front. You know, they're explained to the characters. So they're explained to us, the audience. But we're also figuring things out with Patrick Wilson, like as he's like learning, like, how does all this work? How do I get from point A to point B? How am I supposed to find things? Yeah. Uh, He goes in, he uh, gets in a little spat with the uh, uh, lipstick face demon, saves Dalton, gets him out. Right. Carries him out. Yeah. Doesn't realize that somebody else hitched a ride Mm -hmm. out on his way And the demon that... Was following him when he was a young kid. That was dressed up like a bride, but called, in black. Uh, the bride in black. The bride in black. Something yeah, like the that. bride in black. Uh, hitched a ride, and Elise kind of figures out that he's like being a little weird. Takes a picture of him, sees that it's a bride in black. He freaks out, chokes her, and she uh, dies. She dies right then and there. Elise dies, and, and then Renee finds Elise's body. Mm-hmm. Intensity. Looks at the picture, sees that it's him. Hand on the shoulder. Big gasp. End of Insidious one. Um, this movie rocks. Yeah, first Insidious is good. It's man. so good. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's extremely um, isolated. Uh, it's really cool that they move houses. Yeah. Because that's always the one thing that you're throwing at haunted house movies. Like, why don't you just move? Yeah. And that's like one of their first things. At first, they're like, moving would be ridiculous. Like, in this economy? Right. But then, like, two bad things happen. They're They're like, like, fuck it, we're moving. Out of here. Exactly. They go to another house, but right away. It followed them. It followed them because, great line from the trailer, it's not the house that's haunted. It's your son. It's your son. It's your little cutie patootie Ty Simpkins. Ty Simpkins. We're going to talk about him, too. I like that they used him again, and it's great. It is. I mean, it's yeah. it's fun, like, going into chapter two, eventually, like, it's the same cast. Yeah. You know, like, Rose Byrne is back, Patrick Wilson's back. Well, because chapter two, 
after some preamble backstory picks, picks up, up right immediately right after, yeah. after the events of the end of, of the first movie. Mm-hmm. So it picks up the next day. Rose Byrne Renee is like being questioned by the Popo because Elise is dead now and it looks like somebody strangled her. Mm-hmm. And Josh is being super weird and we figure that out because he's possessed by the bride in black. Parker. And yeah, that's uh that's that. So and then the kiddos are like, Dad's being weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second one, which I really like, doesn't have the same kind of flair to it that the yeah. first one has just first because you're kind really of revisiting good. some stuff but it does have the introduction of that loop action where we start seeing things that patrick wilson is doing while in this comatose part. state going through the further trying to fight back is actually affecting events from the first movie right i do think that those very much are um just kind of like rewriting the issue where it's like, there's weird noises. Well, horror movies have weird noises. And they're sure. like, what if that weird noise was actually this thing happening over here? Right. But some of them are kind of specific where it's just like, well, what happened to that thing? And it just stopped. And it's like, well, Patrick Wilson was there and he stopped it. Interesting. It's fun stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's oh. It's like a, adult Patrick Wilson is in the further trapped there trying to get out, stumbling around. And the longer and longer he's away from his body, the weaker he's getting. And then we realize he's like essentially time traveling because they're at his mom's house and he starts walking into scenes of when he was a kid. And those end up being noises and weird shit that happened yeah. or referenced in other movies. So that's it's that's cool. like the like yeah. the little magic trick they do at the beginning of chapter two is they present you a brand new shot written just for this movie scene right. that lays down all the rules that they're eventually going to do to twist around with what happened in the right. first one. So you're just like, oh, it was always like that. And it's like, no, yeah. they did it in this movie. So we we see younger versions of Elise, of, of Josh as a kiddo, his mom, Lorraine, kind of reaching out for help, hiring weird hypnotist Carl, and then Carl bringing in his coworker friend, Elise. Yeah, Carl's... The uh, like the the assistant he's, to he's, Elise, he was there when like Josh the, was like put under. Well, he's like the hypnotist. Yeah, like he specifically hypnotizes people, but he brings in Elise when they want to contact somebody from beyond. Yes, <laughs> he's got a <laughs> everyone big bushy beard. Everyone's got their special powers. He's got awesome glasses, like my shop teacher in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, like, just kind of getting through chapter two, and then we'll go back and we'll kind of talk about these two movies as a whole because they do kind of operate as one story, but they are two different movies. They're both directed by James Wan. They're both written by Lee Winnell. They star the exact same cast and the other ones do not. uh, Chapter two really escalates too with what you mentioned earlier with like the, you know, the plot line of sort of a horror trope of not believing women. It, It sort of like takes, because Josh is possessed, no matter what Renee... Rose Byrne's character says like, oh, this stuff is happening. Mm-hmm. And she goes to her husband for comfort or support. Yeah. And but it's he, got that he fun just twist like, on it yeah. because he's now like, it's no not, big deal. He's not just like gaslighting her. Yeah. It's like, no, it's demonic gaslighting yeah. because it's a demon inside right. him being like, no, no, you're crazy. Yeah. You're crazy. And there's a couple of times where his mom or other characters see ghosts and then 
two seconds later, it's Josh. Yes. So it's like hinting that people are possessing Josh's body yeah. while Josh is stuck in the further. So it's, yeah, and mainly it is the bride in black uh, who eventually is revealed to be... Um, an abused kiddo. An abused kiddo <laughs> who eventually grew up, like his mother was extremely abusive, tell him that he's a girl. Um uh, surprisingly, you know, there, there's, there is a little bit of transphobia to it, but it doesn't really linger on that too much to the point where it's like saying that, like, that's the reason you should be scared of this person. You know, like, no, it's, more it's like, like the, the, the Buffalo Bill thing of everything where it's yeah. just like, well, the, the transphobia of that is kind of baked into how the world is reacting to Buffalo Bill in the movie. Okay. Uh, I'm not saying that, like, Buffalo Bill and the success of Silence of the Lambs uh, did not hurt the trans community at all in the 90s. It most definitely did. But in this, it's kind of like the trans of it all isn't really, it's more of like a costume and kind of treating it almost like this kind of impressed upon disease. So it's like a different thing. It's Well, it's treated like it's, you know, whether or not it makes it. hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. It's a delicate line because it's not someone being trans by choice. It's like it's forced upon the character as a kid that his mom wanted a daughter or had a daughter and miscarried. Wanted a daughter. And ended up having a son Mm -hmm. and wants him to be the daughter that she wanted. And so he's kind of traumatized. He's, He's got PTSD essentially from like you know, being mm-hmm. a 10 year old kid and having to perform so his mom won't freak out and beat the shit out of him. And then of course, <laughs> you know, he reacts in the same way that we know every single trans person in the world does. He becomes a serial killer. Jesus. That dresses up like uh, the bride in black and and kidnaps people and kills them like in the basement. Sure. And eventually dies as an old man. But when he is an old man in a, in a, uh, in a hospital, that Lorraine, works Josh's at. mom, works at, and Josh goes there. He's just like, who's this old guy here? And Parker, the old man, grabs him. Right. And that's kind of how the connection is created. Uh, Parker eventually, uh, as one uh, recap video that we were watching, uh, he, uh, does it, uh, he suicided. Yeah, that's not correct. I mean, that could be a term that some people use. I don't know. Uh... She sounded... Like she was from London. Or Australia? I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. That's okay. Maybe but they say suicide. It's over a there. committed suicide. Committed suicide. But uh but yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And then uh starts showing up behind him and that's the whole opening to chapter two that leads yeah. to oh, there is this bride in black that keeps showing up in yeah. pictures behind Josh and, and stuff. And we realize that the other ghost in Mama Lorraine's house is the mom. Mm-hmm. Who was also terrible. Yeah. And kind of encouraged him to murder women. Yeah. The mother of death. Great. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we get into like a little bit of shining action where. We do. Dad, um, dad picks up the hammer. Know, it looks like the bride in black or AKA Parker is attempting to really just, like wants to be in the body because he wants to relive his childhood. That's why he eventually attached to Josh when he was a kid. But now like this is. The only option that he's got. Right. He's probably insane now, too, from being in the further for like over 30 years. So he's just like attaching on to uh, Patrick Wilson. Uh, Patrick Wilson's body is deteriorating. He right. starts looking super tie tie in this movie. Yeah, he gets gaunt. He, he gets... still looks hot. 
He still looks hot. He looks like a hot little artist. Hotter than him being owl and. Uh... <laughs> oh, okay, no, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna save that. We're gonna save that for the red door because I okay, really want to okay. go through his stuff. Um, okay. Uh, but uh, he eventually goes like full Jack Nicholson from The Shining, uh, Jack yeah. Torrance if you're nasty. Yeah. And attempts to just murder his entire family. Dalton. Uh, uses his incredible powers of being able to fall asleep in an right? instant at That's any time. That's what I wanted to bring up. I love how Dalton's like, he just goes and sits in a quiet corner and is like, sleep. Yeah, I mean, hey. <laughs> like he has mantis powers for himself. I wish I could sleep I mean, maybe as he's well got some of that, as Dalton. Some of that big snooze CBD syrup <laughs> drippers I don't think he drips like us no, he doesn't drip like it's us not, it's not nah. helping it's not helping no he's not doing it it's not enough uh, Dalton goes in he's able to save uh, his dad just in the same way that his dad saved him only a few years before and um, that's it and uh, then then well yeah the big one Carl he hypnotizes them so they forget Mm-hmm. So that dad they're and Dalton, gonna they're going to forget everything. So they're going to forget everything that happened for an entire year, mm-hmm. not just a couple of days, a whole year. So Dalton's memories are just, I was in a coma mm-hmm. for a year and doesn't remember anything. And then there's a little stinger at the end where Specs and Tucker uh, show up at like a family's house whose daughter uh, is in an unexplained coma. Um, and then, uh, little, uh, Jenna Ortega. Well, I didn't know that. I just saw it when we watched the replay. Oh, right. No, that little Jenna Ortega. I never Ortega, realized Jenna that Ortega, the young run. daughter, She's like notices somebody else is there. Yeah. And. It's Elise. It's Elise. In ghost form. Her spirit. And she comes on in. She sees this, uh, young woman in a comatose state in a wheelchair. And she's like very friendly and nice the way that Elise is because she's fantastic and a helper. Uh, she looks up <laughs> over her shoulder and gasps. End of Insidious Chapter 2. Ghosts. Uh, we will not revisit most of these characters until the Red Door. Duh, but red we are going to still have like Elise, Specs, and Tucker uh, with a couple little yeah, things Yeah, Lin Shay was too good to kill off. So yeah. they gave her two they, more movies. They figured out what they had just a little too late. <laughs> Plus her camaraderie with her, her goof troop of Specs and... What's what is his character's name? Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. Yeah. I I like their camaraderie. I like our, their origin story of them working together. You know, it's all kind of fun. Oh yeah, we'll, it's all. Fun. We'll get that in chapter three, but it's all good. for like chapter one and chapter two. Like you had seen Insidious. Yeah. Before we did like the rewatch. Yes. Was that the only one that you had seen? Yes. Okay. I don't think I'm trying to remember if I had seen. Number two. I feel like you hadn't seen chapter two. Like you thought you had, and then when we were watching, you're like, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. But because like be when fair, all the loop my stuff brain started is like Swiss cheese. Of course. So I could have seen chapter two, but uh, I think I had only seen chap- the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like the difference is one of the big things that I really like about chapter two uh, and the rest of the movies, including one actually, is that. Not only are they like haunted house movies, like they're kind of like going through a haunted house. Right. You know, it's like there's different rooms that have different things. Especially in when them. they're in the further. Yeah. And yeah. and it's just like you're waiting you know, for you, creepy crawlies to jump out. You walk into a room that's just got like, you know, a couple pews and there's just bodies underneath sheets and you walk through it and there's like yeah. or there's a kid with an old timey newsy boy hat 
like, yeah. scary face makeup. Exactly. <laughs> running yeah. out behind a black curtain. Yeah. There's a table that has like a bunch of like fake blood all over. There's like, some Ethan Hawke who tells you to pick up the fucking phone. No, I'm no, okay, wrong movie. He says, don't answer don't the fucking answer phone. The phone. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't want him to pick up the phone. <laughs> That's um, another that's another movie for another time. But like as someone who worked at a haunted mansion like for quite a while in my formative years like there is this kind of um like con- like I never came up with the stories but I was there when people were coming up with the stories and figuring out which stories I was going to act in. Fun. And it's like, you know, the best haunted mansions like haunted houses have like a story that you go through and it just kind of combines a bunch of stuff. You're like, well, so you got a doctor that went insane. Okay, we're going to do like a weird straight jacket scene. And we're going to do a scene where it's like, oh, the doctor, when he was a child, something happened. And, you know, you have an actor playing his mother and being like, why won't you fix people, Jeremiah? Right. You know, something like that. And this movie does kind of have that same kind of... I don't mean this like in a derogatory way, like lowbrow approach to like set pieces, like sure. what we're going to do. Like, With connecting them. And, and con- that's the thing that kind of makes it a little bit more highbrow is like we're doing all of these very weird set pieces and stuff that kind of don't make sense to work with each other. Like in chapter two, they go from an asylum to a haunted like abandoned house to like a murder basement. Well, they go to their own basement. No, the the well, like the paranormal people, like they tr- they're trying to track down Parker. Oh, sure. So they go to the paranormal spot that leads them to they the abandoned house, and then that then they, they go find, to the old like, yeah, hospital like a, where the mom library where they pull up secret scary. door, yeah, like exactly. classic haunted house stuff. Sure, 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 yeah. sure, sure. That's what I really like about the movies. They play that up a lot in Chapter Three, and um, the fourth one, the last key as well, where it's just kind of like. What's it? It's like the throw anything at the wall kind of yeah. aspect of it. What's behind the door number three? Yeah, yeah. What Fun. did you think about the first two? Like the Lamberts, our time with the Lamberts. Well, I, I like the first one a lot better because I I kind of didn't love seeing Patrick Wilson be the big meanie, but mm-hmm. I guess that's the point. So um, I did like the first one the best of if we're just comparing those first two, and I love Lynn Shay. So I like that, you know, she comes back, but she's not in chapter two as much. No, she is. um, She's pretty much just like she's in the further and she's like, I'm holding on here for right now to help you. Yeah, because, you know, she's not fucked up. So she's not supposed to stay in the further. She's not. She's supposed to go to heaven. She's or whatever to to heaven, is beyond. But she's just like, I'm going to hang out here she's for a like, little hey, bit. She's like, hey, you still need help. So mm-hmm. my my goofy boys don't know how to solve crimes without me. So I have to <laughs> hang out in the the other realm for a little she bit longer. It. She gets it. She, does, she keeps working. She never gets to retire. So. She doesn't. Even after death, she still pulls off two more movies yeah. where yeah. she's just like, I'm still on the clock. I'm yep. doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I like it. I like, uh, I feel like Rose Byrne could use a little bit more in the second one besides being so like afraid all the time. But I get it. I mean, afraid all the time is her character. Yeah. Uh, I think she's 
used so good in the first one because the she really does great. like it is it is a performance even though it is a cliche of just like you know the rattled mother yeah, yeah. that is not being listened to by anyone and she's got like the newborn and she's got I, I love all the like scary shit of the baby monitor noises yeah, oh, I, like that kind best. of stuff is great uh, there, again there's that little stuff that's like lee winnell is just so good at like finding like those little tiny things where like wouldn't that be creepy a little creepy. He's like, well, that has nothing to do with anything else that's going on. It's like, creepy. well, then they have a baby. Fuck it. Yeah. And it's just like, but the baby's not involved in any of the other plot of any of the movies. He's like, no, baby monitor though. It's fine. Creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. Yeah. Um. And the the oh, what was I just thinking? The Lee Winnell baby monitor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I lost it. That's okay. Keep going. Yeah. So yeah, second one, I would say the first one is my favorite, but I wouldn't necessarily say number two is my next favorite. I would say I actually really like- That is the normal yeah. consensus or like normal average. Like is that it? is what most people, they're like num, num, insidious, rate at number one, insidious chapter two, rate at number two. And then the other ones are kind of like a mixture. Yeah. See, I actually like number three a lot. Damn, we're going to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. So I would say maybe like one, three, then like two, red door, four. Yeah. Although I like four for a lot of the cool shit that happens. One but of them it, has to be last. It might be the weakest one just overall, but I do think, I think it's it is fun. Too. I think that we actually have the exact same yeah. ranking. It's kind of fun to hear more about Lin Shay's backstory as Elise, but it's also like... It's weird and it gets a little cheesy at sometimes. I mean, the, all yeah. of these are a little bit cheesy. They're supposed to be. Yeah. Like they're kind of like again, it's that kind of haunted house mentality. Yeah. They're kind they're just of like, like embracing it. Love and mommy. Yeah, mommy's good oh, spirit will that save you. Me. That's what I was gonna say. Is like Rose Byrne is kind of like the main character of the first two thirds of the first movie. Sure. Like Patrick Wilson is like he's got the mom and he's the one that's like burker to burr. He's got the history, but and he doesn't. He becomes believe. the ultimate hero at the end because sure. he's the one that can go in but re- most of the movie is rose Byrne being like fuck is going on yeah to be fair i almost feel like rose Byrne should be a bigger character in the red door than she is yeah but it's directed by I mean, patrick wilson so and that's it's fine. also like it is not like 2012 anymore it's the patrick rose wilson Byrne show. is like huge now so it's no, just I like know. she was big back then too but it's just like she's like i don't need to yeah but as calm down. but as the character like it would make more sense for her character to have more progression because of the damage that has occurred from right these, from these stories and i feel like maybe the isolated nature of her not being in it that much too kind of like plays towards Josh's like inability to reconcile because he doesn't want to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to reconcile, but he doesn't want to do the work, which Plus, is what like, that movie's about. Rose Byrne's character does remember she didn't get yeah, hypnotized. She knows everything and she's just like trying to play it cool. She's trying to move on. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it is kind of one of those funny things where it's like in The Shining, like obviously Jack Nicholson is the main character of that movie. I love some Shelley Duvall. But it's like just as much Shelley Duvall's movie, who ultimately becomes the hero at the end, like that I'm has Shelley to try Duvall. and save Danny. Yes, yeah. that's true. But like that's a, you know, almost like a kind of just weird argument to try and have. It's like, well, actually, Shelley Duvall's. The main character. Well, no, it's, like, no, it's that's not of, really what's going on. Yeah. It's sort of the theme throughout these movies of a protective mom mm-hmm. or a protective mom figure, as in Elise, because she kind of comes in 
and supplements when Lorraine's no longer there, when Rose Byrne isn't around, when it becomes a new family and that family, they lost their mom. But it's sort of like this idea of ghost mom does still love you and is looking out for you, sort of, but she can't do everything because she's a ghost. All of these movies are are ultimately, just like the Fast and Furious franchise, they are about family. Family. They are about family. <laughs> and I think that that's like the thing that kind of makes it really fun. Like, in the same way that like we're going to record a Conjuring episode once The Nun 2 comes out. I'm not going to lie to you. As we're thinking about these movies, even though we watched a recap, I'm still getting them confused a Don't little worry. bit I will the catch you. Movies. I will catch you if you're like, just like, remember when the creepy nun showed no, up? I'll be well, like, hey, no, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's fine. But like when Insidious 2, they go to mom's house. I'm getting it confused with the Conjuring movies where they go to that weird house where the somebody hung themselves from the tree out inside the house. That's you in know? the first Conjuring. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, wait, that's not the same movie. Mm-hmm. It still has Patrick Wilson. It's a different haircut. I mean, it's a different era. <laughs> I know that I always forget things in real life, but just no, you got hold this. on you got to this. it. You I can, I, I can tell the difference between movies. No, I know. You're going to hold it down. As long as I've seen them within the last three years. But uh, if I have to, at some point, I will physically chart a Patrick Wilson timeline for myself so that I know which movie is which. Oh, in just these series? <laughs> I mean, we're going to kind of do that. So, Insidious Chapter 3 is a prequel. Right. Because Lin Shay's dead and they want more Lin Shay's not dead. Elise is dead. Well, Elise is dead. Yeah, Lin Shay is still alive, thank God. Lin Shay's still alive and well. Yeah. And uh, But we want more Elise. She's the interesting, fun character. Mm. She can uh, talk to the great beyond, the demons, all yeah. that good stuff. So this takes place three years before the whole Lambert haunting of uh, the first movie and the second movie. So no Rose Byrne, no Patrick Wilson. Nope, we don't get them. No we, cutie patootie tie we, we've, we've got to wait another uh, Two 10 movies. years or yeah. so for that. <laughs> um, so this one pretty much like follows uh, Grace. Uh, Who's wait, Grace? Wait, no, Grace is the... Oh, I, I've got this like mixed up here. Quinn, correct? Yeah, the daughter? Quinn is the main character. So Grace the- is the elderly woman that's like... Oh. The man who can't breathe. Yeah, there's a yeah. neighbor with dementia who yeah. can probably see some ghosts too. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, Quinn is a daughter that uh, uh, has lost her mother and yeah. is living with her father, hot dad, Dermot Dylan Mulroney. McDermott. Dermot Dur- Mulroney. Oh, thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Thank Both you. hot, but mm-hmm. different. And they have a pretty uh, cool looking life, but Quinn's being like a little brat about it. Oh. If I, if I may say so. <laughs> He seems like a pretty cool dad. Like, he's got to work through his shit. Yeah, but, yeah. like, you know, everybody's got to work through Do, his shit all uh, time. I don't remember this very well. Do they say, like, how recently her mom passed away? Did it happen a long time ago? Was uh, it recent? It was one year, I believe. Okay, it's so like that's, a classic, like... So it's still fresh. Yeah, yeah, it's still fresh, but, like, enough time has passed where it's just like, really, dad? So, Quinn is kind of still grieving for her mom who passed away, and... She's sort of getting like weird vibes in her apartment that she thinks her mom is trying to contact her. Mm-hmm. Classic. And then she reaches out to Elaine to see if Elise. Elise to mm-hmm. Elise to see if uh, Elise can contact her mommy. Yep. Uh, it should be noted straight up front that this is another chapter of the Insidious series written by Lee Winnell. Oh, but this is directed. But this by is Lee his directorial debut. Lee Winnell, who 
a Invisible man, man, in my opinion, has a no loss track record uh, directing wise. He has directed three really good movies. What's in the my third opinion. movie besides Upgrade. Invisible Man? Oh, I still haven't seen Upgrade. Great movie. I need to watch that. I just do. like he's. I got, don't know. I, I'm a little squeamish when it comes to gore. He's just Upgrade got always. the sauce. Like he's yeah. just like, and it's really funny that like there's this kind of like again not being derogatory, lowbrow sequel mainstream horror movie. To this? No, like this. This is that one. But I feel like it's pretty well done. I think it's very well done. But then he's got Upgrade that is this, like this kind of like sci-fi body horror mm. um, action movie. I'm not a big body horror kind of kid. It's good stuff. And then he's got Invisible Man, which is like a Invisible very kind Man of straightforward awesome. horror movie that has a lot of those kind of like quote unquote elevated tendencies to it where it's like it's it's more about this. And you know, it also is the story of gaslighting. Yeah, it's fucking great that movie we, that movie kicked ass i yeah. remember watching that movie right at this table that we're sitting at right now uh we didn't watch the movie at this table no no no. but i <laughs> sat with robbie at this table afterwards and uh recorded the podcast about it yes because yes, it was yes, one yes. of those movies that like got released like right as like lockdown was starting to happen but before everybody was like stay in your homes kind oh. of thing yeah, I guess it must have been pretty early. You it were, was 2020. Because you were still uh, in um, Scotland. What? I was? When that happened, yeah. Oh, that's when you saw the movie? That's because Robbie came over and watched the movie because oh. it was like, don't go out in public. And it's like, well, Robbie, I just saw you yesterday. You want to come over and watch The Invisible Man? And sure, sure, sure. And we'll record content on it. Great. And that was before we figured out like the whole Zoom thing. Like That was the first podcast that we recorded after the world was seemingly ending. Well, and what a movie to watch when yeah. you think that that's what's happening. Yeah. Great movie. I would definitely watch again. I would recommend to many. Yeah. Scary, suspenseful, action, good characters. I think that Lee Winnell is like what really makes this movie special. I think he's working through his directorial efforts and like what he wants to do and how he wants to make movies. Yeah. Being really good friends with James Wan, being a collaborator with James Wan for like over a decade at this point. He brings a lot of his kind of like his like joyous fun yeah, to making fun. these movies that yeah. are kind of like about these horrific terrifying situations. Sure. That makes them a lot more entertaining. Right. Um, I think that this movie has the biggest jump scare of the entire series. This is the one that got me the most. Remind me. And jump scares and generally am... just scares don't get me all Ooh, that much. Jump scares get me all they the time. They do. That's why it's so much fun to watch I, these movies with you. I just always get so startled. It's and I'm, okay. I know they're coming, but... It's God good. It. That's the job. I know, That's but you know, I, when we're in the theater, it's so loud. Yeah. Uh, it, no, it's, it's when it's the kind of uh, quote unquote inciting incident <laughs> sure. where uh, Queen gets hit by a car oh, out of nowhere. Fuck yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you don't know what the movie is going to be. I had not seen a trailer for this movie before I saw it. That's true. And like when she gets hit by that car, it's just like. Well, you know, she's she's starting to realize that it's not her mom. It's some other spooky ghost that's reaching out to her. And then she actually starts to see him. And he's like a wheezing old dude with an oxygen mask on. The man who cannot breathe. He can't breathe. And as an asthmatic, I was slightly offended by it. No, it's fine. Sure. But yeah. Right. But uh, I would love some extra oxygen. But yeah. So she sees him when she's outside, turns 
immediately gets hit by a car. Yeah, because she's crossing the street and she sees somebody down at the end of the road and she's like, who's that? It's kind of like when we watched, like, you know, the first half of It, the newer one, Mm -hmm. when uh, our our boy sees the gross, like, sneezing, drooling, whatever man kind Mm -hmm. of, like, far away enough that you're like, I could still get away, but a little close that you're like, no, this is not okay. And you get that vibe where she's feeling threatened and scared, but he's far enough away that she's kind of like, you don't think anything's going to happen immediately. And if it is going to be, if if something is going to happen, it's going to be one of those classics. She turns and he's right there in front of her. Exactly. Instead of that, before she's even able to turn, she gets hit by a fucking car. She gets demolished by a car. Yeah. Ends up breaking both of her legs. Brutal. Yep. And so, thusly, now we got like a little bit of rear window action going yeah. on where she is stuck in her She's home. She's got the foam thing around her neck. Yep. Uh, <laughs> she is stuck in her home with her father, Sean, played by Dylan McDermott. Uh, and, Dermot Mulroney. Oh, sorry. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, her brother, Alex, uh, who is giving big... Did you ever see The Visit? Oh, and like yeah. Shyamalan's The Visit. That's a great movie. Remember like the younger brother in that one who's just like got the attitude. Yeah, a little he's bit a of rapper. attitude. He's not he's a believer. He's got a little bit of this. Yeah, yeah, he's got a little bit of that attitude. He's, he's, the, he's the Patrick Wilson naysayer of this movie. Yeah. Until he believes. Until yeah. he sees. Seeing is believing. Well, he's the one. No, he's the one that actually like is into all the paranormal stuff. Oh, right. He's, watching the, yeah. he's watching the ghost hunties. In The Visit. That's what you're talking about. In The Visit, the younger brother's the one that's like, nothing's going on. Let's right. relax. In yeah. this one, Alex, uh, the younger brother... Is the one who's just like maybe you should he, use these ghost hunters. He's the guys. one who finds yeah. Specs and Tucker, right? Uh, to who eventually come on in. Initially, are sort of a sham. They believe, but are also kind of trying to make money. So they're kind of like, how can we make money in any way, in any situation we go into, whether there's actually something wrong or not, you know, like doctors or dentists. And dad is, is not a believer. He's sort of like, these guys are just trying to make some money off of us. Oh no, Sean is, Dylan McDermott is just like very much just like absolutely not. He's like, these guys are grifters. Yeah. 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 He's a Dylan McDermott who was like recently, uh, he was the uh, president in um, the Skrull Secret Invasion show. Well, he was also evil daddy in the most recent Scream movie, which I really enjoyed. Oh, spoiler alert for Oops, the most sorry. recent Scream movie. <laughs> it's been out for a while now. It's been out for a while. It's, it's, Come it's on. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> I'm usually pretty uh, protective. Like Anybody who hasn't seen the first Scream, I never want them to know who the bad guys are. Just That's because like fair. the way... Also the second one too. Like The way that that... Un- that's why screen movies are so cool. Like, like how they yeah. reveal themselves is kind of half the fun. Mia culpa. Um, I just assume everyone's seen everything like us, but that's not true. It's, I mean, <laughs> our listeners for the most part have. And okay. honestly, if somebody has seen all five Insidious movies and they're listening to this and they they've don't care about spoilers, they've probably seen yeah, Scream. So that's fine. Uh, yeah. What, what else is going on in this? Uh, we've got a really... A cutie next door neighbor. So we've got like a a sort of will they, won't they with Mm -hmm. the next door neighbor who's super cute. They share a wall. So there's some in their bedrooms. Yeah. So there's like a some cute apartment next door where she thinks she can knock on the wall and it's her her friend next door. Great bit. uh, Which is a great bit because then she texts him with her like old school cell phone that looks awesome. And he's like, yo, I'm not home. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking on the wall. So shit's going on. Yeah, so there's lots of creepy sounds and lots of heavy breathing because the man cannot breathe. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Whilst all this is going on, Elise, uh, who uh, her husband uh, recently committed suicide. Great. Suicided. Her husband by the name of Jack. Okay. So she's uh, grieving. So she's grieving as well. She doesn't want, she's out of the game. She wants to take some time I'm off. I'm not doing this anymore. I can't, I can't uh, risk the, the possibility that I start dipping my toe back into this world and my dead husband shows up. Sure. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but Carl, Carl shows Carl. up and he's just like, baby, you gotta, you gotta help this person out. There's a lot of stuff going on over here. How does Carl find out about it? I don't uh, remember. She tell she tells Carl about it, and because oh. she's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. What they're like I do? having and coffee like, talk, and Carl's to, like, You got to get back in the game. Like, your gifts are you too born, big. This yeah. is what you were born to do. Yeah. This is your destiny. You kind can't of withhold thing. your gifts from the world. Uh, yeah. Shows her a bunch of pictures from the 1986 Josh Lambert thing. A nice little connection oh, yeah. to the movies. He's like, and hey, stuff like remember that, that time that you helped yeah. this sad kid? Who's Wouldn't it suck if we had to go back to them? in like three years, kind of thing. So she shows up. Yep. And this is the introduction of her with Tucker and Specs. Yeah, the, Tucker and Specs are called in first and they're just like They're out of their depth. They are frauds and They've set up cameras and shit, but they yep. can't really do a whole hell of a Yeah, lot. and Sean is about to Kick annihilate them. Yeah. yeah. And then Elise shows up and is just like, No, no. Yeah. Hold on. Elise shows up Something's going and is on. like, there is some bad juju in this apartment. Um, and it is around this time where uh, Elise kind of shows like her ability to be able to go into the further and try and communicate and figure out exactly what's going on. And makes a believer out of our specs in Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we have actually skipped over the part where Quinn gets possessed. Oh, right. That's before... Is that before? Elise shows up. Oh. Yeah, I believe so. So... Uh, Quinn gets possessed like our, classic Patrick Wilson style from right, chapter so our, two. Our girl Quinn tries to go upstairs to the apartment above, which I yes. guess is where creepy respiratory dude was living mm-hmm. and is currently vacant, coincidentally. And then, yeah, she gets possessed by scary, I can't breathe, man. Yep. And then she comes back to her own apartment and beats the crap out of her dad and Specs and Tucker. Mm-hmm. And then they are like fucking scared because now they've really seen, you know, she's walking on her broken legs. And that's probably one of the grosser parts of the movie. It's one of like it's the like, more realistic yeah. grounded parts of the movie it's too awful. that I think is like a lot of fun where it's like most of this movie takes place in an apartment. Right. She like breaks her cast and walks on her broken feet and yeah. legs. And you're just like, Ugh. like it feels good. Yeah, no. Yeah. And you're like, no, Great. no, it doesn't. <laughs> um... And then eventually Elise has to enter uh, the further and like try and like track down exactly where Quinn is being held by the man who can't breathe. This is where she interacts with the notorious bride in black. Right. Who is going to be the one that eventually does kill her. And she gets this. But this is earlier. She's we been don't, having this she premonition this. Yeah. that the bride in black, like if I ever go into the further, like she not only doesn't want to uh, possibly bump into her husband suicided husband <laughs> okay. uh she also laughing. has had these like visions of this bride in black who she doesn't know who it is because she has not Met really yet. kind of like uh, it's been like what it's been 30 years since like the 1986 thing she's had premonitions of like they're gonna strangle me and right. we know that that is going to come to pass in like three years sure 
Uh, so she gets in there. She starts interacting with the bride in black. Um, and then finally realizes uh, that... Uh, what is it? No, that happens first. Uh, she bumps into Jack. Jack shows up, her her dead husband. But it's not. But it's not. And he's like, you should kill yourself to be with me. You should come with me. Classic We could be together forever. Classic. Just, you yeah. know, kill yourself. It's like, yeah, you don't want to be out there anymore. I miss you. It's you miss hard. Me. Come on, let's Life do it. Life is hard. Let's just wrap uh, it up. It's revealed to be the man who can't breathe in disguise. Yeah. He's got, um, he's got his oxygen mask on. He's yep. gross. He's gross. He's got like a big old oxygen mask. Yeah. Uh, and he... He's got a really gross version of Quinn where her, like, face is not totally there. It's, like, sort of erased. Yeah, like, he's keeping her, like, captive and, like, slowly, like, sucking the energy and soul yeah, out of her. Yeah, he's, like, he's nomming on her soul. Yeah. Yeah, she, like, doesn't have hands. She's, yeah, like, it's kind of, like, around. showing us, like, what's kind of happening to somebody when they're maybe possessed by... It's sort of like Haunting of Bly Manor when the longer the ghosts are out there and they forget who they are, they start, like, losing their features, which includes their mouths and their eye sockets, mm. which is pretty No, fucked. it's exactly like that. Yeah, it's pretty gross so it's it's a it's the image is done well so yeah uh, quinn is trapped ultimately uh elise makes uh the man who can't breathe release quinn but it's kind of a fight but she kind of doesn't because she has to convince quinn to reach out to the mama ghost oh, that's yeah yeah to yeah. quinn's mom yeah. and uh lily as and then Quinn, Quinn gets out by pulling the oxygen mask off of the scary, you know, emphysema, COPD. Standing up for herself. Like, yeah. that's kind of like the ultimate theme of, like, chapter three is, like, Quinn learning to, to accept the fact that... Mom's not going to save her. Mom's not going to save her, that she has to stand up for herself, but also she has to but accept always, the fact that mom's gone, but will always be there. Mom's always going to be there yeah. to encourage her in spirit. It's very nice. It's nice. Um, and in doing so, uh, Quinn escapes the further, and uh, Elise, Spex, and Tucker are just like, you know, we make a pretty good team, you know? I think Adorable. this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Cutie patooties. Uh, and then Elise goes home and her dog barks uh, at like uh, the bed, uh, some unseen force. Yeah. And um, and there's more. Then gross. we see the demon. The lipstick guy. The lipstick guy. He's we'll just, call him the lipstick guy. That's actually just, even better. You know, the lipstick guy. He's he, just hanging out. He's just like hanging out watching. Lipstick Darth Maul. Insidious. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the music. <laughs> That's and good. scene. And scene. But yeah, so I really liked this one. Dude. I know this one gets ragged on a lot. I think a lot of people think this one is the weakest one, but I actually this like it a lot. This is the one that's usually at the really even bottom of the list. People like number four better? I mean, I, I like mean, number, four, number four, but I think this one is better. I think it's the same thing where it's like, I said earlier where I was like, I think I'm also like a one, three, two, five, four guy. Okay, okay. But I get that. I think that chapter two is better made yeah. than chapter three and that's because James Wan fucking made it and Lee Winnell had never directed a movie before so mm -hmm. it's got a little bit more energy and verve to it that's maybe a little bit more competent with someone who knows has been making horror movies for like 20 years at this point okay you know uh, as opposed to somebody who's just kind of like been you know picking up the 
picking up the chops. So yeah. This will come into play, too, with the red door. I know. I'm looking at the last key, our next one, mm-hmm. and the director of that one directed all of the escape room movies. Yes, he did. But he directed those after doing Insidious, yeah. the last key. Yeah. I was looking to see if he had done anything before that. It looks like he had the, the taking of Deborah Logan, which yep. I never He's got saw. The, yep. Never saw that one. So that also looks like a creep show. So that's fine. That director is Adam, Adam Robitaille. Robitaille. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For our next one, which is like the Elise show. Yeah. Because it's it's a trip down Elise's amnesia lane. It's where they kind of put Elise a little bit more front into center. like front and center. They show uh, us her origin character. story yeah. essentially as a, as a superhero. Growing up in New Mexico in the 1950s. Her origin story is trauma and pain. And it's all about family. <laughs> Framry. Yeah. Uh, essentially. So and about abducting women. Up front, this is the one that I am kind of the least interested in kind of talking about. I don't know if you feel the same. This is the one that washed over me the most. I really enjoyed the movie, but it's the one that like didn't grab me as much as any of the other ones because it's the Lin Shea of it all where it's just like they're just like milking the prequel thing as much as they can. Sure. That's not what they're doing because obviously they gave up on that. This movie made a shit ton of money yeah uh i mean i uh, so made 167 million dollars worldwide on a budget that i can't imagine is it it, 10 million dollars made a shit ton of money and they're like we don't need to make these so to be fair the parts of insidious the last key that i really enjoyed were the flashbacks of her youth and getting that cool backstory yeah. and how it kind of shaped her now. Yeah, you've got like three timelines right. going on. But I was less interested in the present day of this movie where Elise is like trying to mend her relationship with her brother and meet her nieces. And then you've got Specs and Tucker hitting on the nieces, which is kind of awkward and gross. And then. Why is that awkward and gross? Ah! It's just like really heavily, you know. Who are you to tell who to fall in love specs with? Specs or whoever. They're just like really intense about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's sort of like that story. And then the fact that got, the senator from the first X Men is her brother, Kirk. No, oh, no, yes. Bruce Davison. Bruce Davison. No, I was looking also at uh, the the guy that they're trying to help. Who's played by Kirk oh, uh, Acevedo. Kirk Acevedo from yeah. uh, like uh, he's great. Oz. He's fucking yeah. great. So he's sort of the like guy losing his shit at the new. You know, he's the new owner of the oh, childhood yeah. Catching home. Catching up on the plot description stuff. Yeah. yeah. So like Elise. We're getting like a bunch of stuff like in like the the background of Elise growing up where like her father was abusive and she kind of like became uh, briefly possessed by a demon that led to her mother's death. And, uh, and after being locked down the basement by her dad. The the guy who plays her dad is yeah, great. Bob. He's like a it's great, Josh Stewart. Baby. Yeah, Josh Stewart is like a great character actor where I feel like he hasn't really had a chance to be so the main guy. I mainly know him from uh he's in the collector movies. He yeah. plays like the yeah. thief. He's in the Punisher show too. He's in the Punisher show, that's right. Uh, I'm trying to look at what else he's been in, but those are the things that like the Punisher show is what I had watched him in most recently. Um, but yeah, I feel like he's just got a look where you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, that he's, guy. uh, he's also like 
in the Dark Knight Rises, he's like the dude that's hanging out with Bane. That's just like whatever you want, Bane. <laughs> and they're like, you're like, is this supposed to be like Deadshot or something? Like, who is this? And they're like, no, it's just a guy. His name is Barsid. Okay. 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 That's cool. Josh Stewart, though, really get nice guy. Good looking. Uh, very intimidating. He's good looking, sort of, but he's got that like dead eyes, like vacant, where you're like, what I mean, the like, fuck's going on behind like, those? He's like a bad boy, good looking. He's like, what is this? Uh, it's a little scary. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Kirk Acevedo's got some scary eyes, too. He does. He's got uh, the very deep, dark eyes. And so that happens in the 50s uh, with Elise Younger. Uh, decades later, uh, in 2010, pretty much right before the events of the first one, uh, Kirk Acevedo plays this guy who's just like, hey, uh, what's his name? Ted. Yeah. He's like, my house my is house haunted. Is, my house is haunted. Can you guys come like, uh, help me out? Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, that's my childhood home. She figures that out. My, my childhood house of horrors. Yeah. Because uh, we find out that her mom was killed yeah. by demons or spirits yeah, or whatever. When she was possessed after her yeah. dad like tossed down the basement. Right. Scary town. Because uh, all bad things happen in the basement. Elise takes this opportunity to try and like mend relations uh, with her brother Christian, who's played by the senator from the first X-Men. To be fair, basements are scary. Can I ask you, did you have a basement growing up? Because not everybody did. I have did. never been afraid of basements. But did I, you have I it? I had a basement growing up. My grandparents, both my grandparents had like my one uh, uh, grandma had like a really creepy basement that was unfinished. There was nothing down there because you couldn't yeah. put anything down there. Yeah. I was so never afraid of basements. I was definitely of the like Kevin McAllister slightly scared to go down in the basement, uh -huh. but there was shit in the basement that we had to go get sometimes. And so I was always like the run down as fast as you can, try not to look at shit, run back up as fast as you can, turn the lights on. Sometimes the lights weren't working. There was, it was dank down there. It wasn't finished. Hmm. Scary cobwebs, all that nonsense. So yeah. I'm Scary not stuff happens in basements in movies. I'm for not sure. a, yeah. I'm not a fan, but yeah. 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 Uh, unlike what the Muppets say, life's not a movie. <laughs> but also in real life scary stuff does happen in certain basements so True. I totally get that also if you live in certain parts of the country like Arizona they don't have basements mm -mm. it's it's wild yeah. it's kind of awesome yeah no I've seen Zodiac like in California I'm like not a lot of people have basements yeah it's great that's where I learned where California not a lot of people have basements <laughs> it's from Zodiac <laughs> um they go there to help out Elise wants to mend her uh relationship with her brother he doesn't want anything to do with her they're looking around the house and uh guess what they find a hidden room in the basement uh-oh scary and the uh well because there's a ghost saying there's a ghost let her help her or something yeah. yeah help her uh and then uh they find a young woman being held hostage inside and ted's like it was me and like freaks out and tries to kill them. Yeah. And uh specs uh drops like a fucking bookshelf or bookshelf something. Bookshelf or some like heavy thing right on him and crushes yeah. his head. Yeah, gross. Great way to start a movie. Yeah, true. Look, it, again, this guy uh kind of washed over me and it's probably at the bottom of my list. Yeah. Still fun. Still fun. Still fun. Yeah, so we'll do this one quicker. Um let's uh what you know. The highlights so, of so this So the movie. highlights are like, um, we're going to get a little loop around with like this story where like, uh, 
Elise, uh, when she was a teenager, like had this uh, ghost or spirit like interact with her that that was this young woman asking for help and it freaked her out and she ran away. She never came back. And Turns that's out why it wasn't a her, ghost. That's why her brother, you know, has like resentment against her. Her brother, who was pay, played by the guy that played the senator in X-Men. Yep. Yep. Um, turns said. out it wasn't a ghost. And actually her father was keeping women hostage uh, Gross. Down in the basement and yep. then putting their bodies in like little briefcases in like the underground tunnels. Disgusting. Exactly. Uh, but we come to find out that there is this new demon. Demon. Much like in the Conjuring movies, they love coming up with a new demon for each movie. It's got keys. This one's called Key Face, which I doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why it's Key no, Face. I kind of like how none of these names make yeah. sense. Well, yeah. cuz it's kind of got keys for fingers. It's got keys for fingers. So it's like it why put, is it keys? It puts a little key in your face. throat and it goes don't scream and you can't scream. That anymore. is actually kind of a great image. That's why they put able, it in the trailer. Yeah, it's it's great. So, yeah, to be able to turn the sound off on people that you're trying to murder murder. Yeah. Or, so, ultimately you know. we find out that Keyface actually uh possessed Elise's dad and also Ted to kill all of these uh, young women. Um, and we get uh, this kind of like, you know. Elise gets captured. Yeah. And her niece also possesses certain gifts and, yes. and comes to her aid. And there's like this Shawshank redemption moment of all these people that are locked up. And then uh, Elise's mommy ghost comes and kicks some ass at the end. And mm-hmm. that's, that's where it gets a little hokey, but it's kind of great. It's nice. It's, a little it's, hokey. Again, it's all about family. Yeah, it's about you family. Know? And just, yeah. And there is a moment in there where um, they open a red door. Yeah, they open a red door. And uh, Elise very quickly sees uh, a young boy that she doesn't recognize that we know as Dalton. Dalton. From the first movie. Cutie patootie Tyson. Again, this is kind of looping around to this moment in the attic in the first Insidious movie where Dalton is up in the attic and he hears a noise and kind of just looks over Mm -hmm. but doesn't see anything. And then we just move on and then other creepy things happen. And this is, he heard Elise open this door you know, prior to everything that was just happening she and saw Dalton. The yeah. red door. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. and bad things came out. Yeah. And that's actually probably happening like kind of right around the same time because as this movie uh ends, Elise has a dream about Dalton and um what'd you call him? Lipstick guy? Yeah, lipstick guy. Lipstick guy. <laughs> uh creepy, creepy boy. Uh she wakes up and she's getting a call from Lorraine. Yeah. Which is Josh's mom. Josh's mom. And these are leading directly into the events of the first Insidious that will lead to her death. Yeah. Sad. No. It's sad. I like this one in the sense that like it does like go back to the 50s and it goes back to like the late 60s, early 70s. Like it's it goes kind of back fun. a bit much. It's kind of like an American horror story in the sense that like it's in the same genre, the lore is there, but it's not exactly the same character. Some of the same characters, but you, yeah, it's fun to have it to be a different time frame. It's the same thing with the conjuring where it's like, look, there was a spooky nun in one of these things. <laughs> you guys seem to like that. How about we go back Let's 200 years and we'll just do another nun movie? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm into it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of just like a little bit more of a connective thing, like a connective way to do that. <laughs> but it's just like, 
It sucks that the one movie that has like the most Lin Shay in it is, is the my weakest least one. favorite. Yeah, like that's true. It's my least favorite. I wouldn't even say it's the weakest. I would say honestly that probably Chapter Three is the weakest in connectivity. Okay, but I think that that's why it's one of my favorite. It's really because fun. it's a little original. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. just an offshoot. It's in the universe. It doesn't they have attempted to, be... to reboot it with a different family, and they were just like. Mm-mm. Not gonna happen. It's but the Lin Shay okay. show. Just yeah. do it about Lin Shay, and fine. then after that, I really don't know what happened because this movie made so much money, and they didn't make another movie. They until didn't make another movie for this year. so long. Yeah, I mean not well, so long, but this is like 2018. To be fair, everybody, everybody minus the kiddos and Specs and Tucker really took off career wise. Very much. So Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne took off, and Lee Winnell's career took off, and James Wan's career took off. So, it, you know, to be fair, yeah, they had other projects going on. Yeah. And probably Patrick Wilson didn't want to make another movie. Well, we're about to get into that right now, Let's because before we start talking about The Red Door, I really want to talk about Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson's career. <laughs> Just very quickly, just because I think it's, he should be so much bigger than he is. Yeah. But I do think that he's kind of, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, bit of a weirdo, which is why he's like in these conjuring movies and insidious movies, like with his horror friends, and he's eventually directing one of them. Um, in 2003, he played, notoriously, he breaks onto the scene, he plays Joe Pitt in Angels in America. Oh. And immediately after that, he plays uh, Raul in The Phantom of the Opera. Uh, oh, which I did see. I the big see... Joel Schumacher Phantom yeah, of the I, Opera. I didn't watch Angels in America when it came out. I was a little young for that, but I did watch him in Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. He, he is a singer. He's, he's a, a he's singer. singer. He's a performer. He's like hitting it hard. And you get those two things in there and his face is out there. And in 2005, we get... I think I think this is his first big one that everybody thinks of. You get Hard Candy. Oh. Where he plays I didn't see that when that came out. Oh, but you have seen Hard Candy, right? Yeah, it's a rough yeah. watch, but uh he plays across Elliot Page in uh What year does that come out? 2005. Woof. And uh he plays a uh Smooth talking uh, photographer who invites a young girl over to his house and has nefarious means, and she's, she knows about she's it. She's setting a trap for Oof, him, buddy. Yeah. That movie—he's so good in it. Like, I ha- yeah, I did not see that when that first came out. That's like the shit about Patrick Wilson is like how slimy he can be and he's in certain charming. roles, yeah. but he can still be charming because he's got like that yeah. movie star kind of thing yeah uh after that uh little children 2006 tough feels little children that was sort of his like babe movie he, he you know, he's like, a little bit of a <laughs> nicer guy yeah. no i'm not yeah. talking about that i'm just talking about like that was hot because it was sort of like the object of um of kate uh affection you know like it was sort of oh, like yeah. the the romance of it and him being like super attractive and yeah i remember seeing that in the theater and jackie earl haley's in that too yeah man so that then, was like yeah. kind of his like big reemergence. Yeah. as like wait yeah. are you gonna do something and they're gonna be in a movie again in a little bit too exactly um 
But before we get to that movie, he is in this little tiny movie called Evening. I never saw that. So uh, who's in that? Tony Collette, which is why I've seen oh, it. Oh, Collette! Because we did the Collette stuff, and Evening is this extremely well-made, very dramatic uh, movie that kind of mixes and matches between like current times, which would be in two thousand seven when it was made, uh, and like probably about like what forty, fifty years prior. Uh, it's so good. I highly recommend Evening to everybody. He plays an amazing character that needs to be just as unlikable as he is believable that somebody would still like him because of how unlikable some of his choices can be. Yeah. Um, after that, Lakeview Terrace. Did you ever see that? Where he's the guy that moves in next door to Samuel L. Jackson, who's a cop. And Samuel L. Jackson is just like, no, I never saw that. I'm going to fucking <laughs> just mess around with you. Um, that's a really funny movie. Uh, and then Watchmen, of course, he plays Night Owl. Yeah. Uh, that he's also in that with Jackie Earl Haley. That was sort of like a, when I saw Watchmen, that was sort of like a weird, you know, because I had seen him be super attractive, super suave. And then... In and Watchmen, just two thousand nine. Like this is all no, in the span it, yeah. of like three or four but, years. Like in Watchmen, his character is supposed to be sort of aging, has put on weight, is sort of like they toss some makeup on him a little well, bit. Well, he's supposed yeah. to not be in his prime, mm-hmm. you know, of young superhero fit boy, and then it's still kind of like he gets to have sex with Malin Ackerman in the movie, and it's like great job, you know, good for him, but. It's kind of great that he's not, and it just sort of shows this weird range that he has where he can kind of meld into these characters, but he still has these like boyish good looks where you ultimately trust him, even though you're sort of like, what's going on? You're a little suspect sometimes. Yeah. 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 Because they do like in Watchmen, they'll like show him like in his prime when he looks like Patrick Wilson at that point, who is just like a fit boy. Yeah. And then they'll just be like, all right, we're going to recede your hairline a little bit. Um, you know, which I am triggered by. Like, I, I, I take offense <laughs> to that. Not back then when it came out. Yeah, I was fine. You were young still. And I was still young. No, you didn't my, have a care in the world. Listen, my receding hairline was coming up very quickly Fast after high school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, That's yeah. fine. <laughs> it took me a while to get to this point right now where I'm, like, owning it. I think you look fine. Thank you. Yeah. I think you look great, too. Hey, thanks. I'm getting grayer by the second. I love it. I can't wait till you're just <laughs> fully gray. Cutting my hair short just shows me how much gray I have. It's just in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. I'm ready. My old lady. Hey, I can't fine. wait. A lady of distinction. Exactly. <laughs> uh, after that, he's in, you know, things like Barry Monday, The A-Team, The Switch, Oh. Uh, these are uh, those are all in 2010. Jesus. Uh, but what's also in 2010 is Insidious. Right. And he hits that off. Uh, after that, uh, Morning Glory, Young Adults. Uh, he plays uh, a great character by the name of Buddy Slade. You know, and he's essentially like the famous guy or like the, 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 the popular kid in school. Yeah. Afterwards, who's like still in town. Um. He headlines the show uh, A Gifted Man um, that I think was only one season that was just like about like a surgeon or something who's like, my wife is dead, so I'm going to throw myself into my work. Um, A valid storyline. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, 
kind of fun. He's um, Numi Rapace's dad in Prometheus. That is weird. Just like in a couple scenes. It's kind of strange. He's just like, hey, Numi, I'm your dad. I don't remember that at yeah, all. He's barely in it. He's not in it that I remember that. I remember Numi Rapace. I don't remember him being in that movie. He's not in, like, he's not on the expedition. It's just like, okay. oh, he's like on video files and stuff like right. that. Okay. All right. Uh, then we get uh, The Conjuring. Right. Here he is as Ed Warren entering that. We won't talk too much about those movies because we've got another episode planned. Because we love them and we're going to talk about them separately. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Insidious Chapter 2. Uh, then uh, he has like this string of... I'm going to read these names to you. You ready? Are they are they movies? Uh, just, most just of them... Names? No, most of them are movies. Okay. Uh, so okay. he is Jack... He is in a movie called Jack Strong. I don't know it. He is in a movie called Space Station 76. Don't know it. He is in a movie called Stretch. Uh-uh. He is in a movie called Big Stone Gap. Yeah, this is why he's He is a in a movie actor. called Let's Kill Ward's Wife. I don't know it. He is in a movie called Zipper. Not sure. He is in a movie called Home Sweet Hell. What are these? These are movies. Are they all hard? Some people might get these. No, a lot of them kind of look like either what year was home comedies Hall? or like uh, action movies. Uh, but then in 2015, he's in a little movie called Bone Tomahawk. Oh, which you and, love, which, which I, I still love. have not seen. And he kind of plays the foil to Kurt Russell's like sheriff in that movie, where he's kind of just like the the more kind of like, what are we even doing here? Uh, he's also in uh, Fargo, which I think that was the second season of Fargo. He was in season two of Fargo. You have not watched Fargo. No, I have not. We must watch Fargo together because for that season alone, the, the choices they make, phenomenal. Uh, he plays uh, notoriously and probably like his biggest screen credit ever is he plays the voice of the President of the United States in Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice. I was being sarcastic. I haven't seen any of this. Uh, what do we got here? Conjuring 2. Yeah. The Founder, I the think, the McDonald's movie. I think he's had a good run with the Conjuring universe. I think he's... He, I mean, this is the know, main thing. He's going to have this pretty much I think he from enjoys those. He's got great yep. camaraderie with, with Vera Famiglia. Uh, uh, he's great. one of like the. I can't wait to talk about those because I love I love the family that the weirdo family that they have. Mm -hmm. I love his uh, not a priest Jesus man. It's so good. He's like he he makes being slightly religious, religious hot again. Yeah, yeah. He makes it not so terrible. No, yeah. You're just kind of like yeah. I would listen to what he would. If he's Patrick also, Wilson uh, showed up at my door with his guitar, knocking to play on it, and was just like. Can I talk to you about like Heaven's Gate? And, uh, Can just I play you this the Lord's soothing will? song that is faintly about Jesus? I'd be like, yeah, sure. I would invite him in. Yeah, I'll sing along to this faintly Jesus song that he, you're singing. He's one of the 40 famous people in The Commuter uh, that just kind of like show up. I think he's in it a little bit more than everybody else, but everybody's in that movie. You know The Commuter? No. The Liam Neeson movie? Like, like Taken? Like Tooken? Yeah. Tooken 2? Jean Colessera. The, uh, the yeah, no, yeah, I don't know. He just makes all those movies. Okay, okay, okay. Ed Warren and the Nun. I do love Ed Warren. 
I love the character of Ed Warren. We'll save that for another podcast. King Orm in Aquaman. Yeah, Remember? I haven't watched those. I watched he's like a clip. So good in that movie. But he's like a jerk. He's a jerk there. He's like he the bad is guy. a jerk. He's the bad guy. Okay, I watched but a clip. That's I, and I, I was like fun. I really like that you're like he's a jerk in that movie, right? Like because he's the bad guy. He's the villain. The yeah. the super villain of that movie. He's but he's really kind of, just kind of more of a jerk. He's just kind he's of a jerk. Like, you know, it's like I don't like the way that you're doing this. He's kind of a brat. Yeah. Uh, Annabelle comes home. Hey. I do like those. Uh, <laughs> the assistant. Great cameo. He plays the famous actor in the yeah. elevator that she's just in the elevator for like a scene with. That movie did some damage to my psyche. Yeah. Yeah. That's a and, rough watch. But him just being the in there as like the actor. Yeah. The assistant might still be on Hulu. If it is, you should check it out. It is a rough, you know, allusion to... Harvey Weinstein and all of the awfulness that's out there. And it, it it also was very triggering working in an office for big wigs and all the shit that you get asked to do. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to love this next one. He is in a movie that me and you both definitely saw. What's but I'm that? pretty sure that you're going to forget that we saw it. Because I fell asleep? Nope. <laughs> Just because it's uh, kind of not a real movie. Uh, what, what, he's in a movie called In the Tall Grass. Remind me what that was about. Um... It, it, it was a uh, uh, based on Stephen King. Because um, based on that title, you're correct. That. I don't remember. After hearing a young boy's cry for help, a sister and brother venture into a vast field of tall grass in Kansas, but soon discover there may be no way out, and that something evil lurks within. Oh, we I remember that movie. movie. I yes. do. Now that you describe it, I remember that. Um, For some reason, forgotten forever. I don't remember that it was grass. I was thinking it was like corn or something. But yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it's like a Children of the Corn type movie. In the tall corn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like a. Do you know that people get lost in the bushes kind of movie? Do you know that um, youngins, as I like to call them, uh, are referring to porn as corn, like on corn like, with a K, like the band? No, like with a C. But why? Uh, to like not like say the word porn like in TikToks or tweets and stuff them? like that. Is it like? Yes. Is it like on yes. Broad City when when one of the characters has trouble saying penis? Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's more new girl. Penis. Yes. Yeah. Weenus. <laughs> it's the little skin on your elbow. Yeah. Uh, he's also in 2019. We're getting to the end here. He's in a little movie called Midway. Uh, and, uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, The Conjuring 3. Uh, then he's in Moonfall, a movie I have not seen, but I very much want to. Moonfall. Uh, and then he's in Insidious The Red Door. And, um, So now you gave us this long laundry list. This is it. Yeah. Were there certain movies in that filmography that you were like, yeah, because now he's directing and you were like, this must have made an impact. I mean, a lot of them, like... Me, Give me a few. Let me pull What's like your top here? five I mean, like, that you were like, yeah! He, he's worked with James Wan. So he's worked with James Wan and Lee Winnell quite a bit. Quite he's, a bit. He's buddies with them. They, you know, they I feel like his work with he's Noah Hawley on uh, Fargo. Noah Huge. Hawley, who I love because I love Legion. Uh, what else has Noah Hawley done besides Legion? I mean... Noah Hawley's great. Uh, he did Lucy in the Sky. 
which I never saw. Yeah. Uh, Noah Hawley is I unfortunately love, a I, figure that... Uh, I mean, I love Legion, so... He's really not been allowed to do too much. Since um, Lucy in the Sky? Yeah, I mean, Lucy in the Sky, like, yeah, like, Legion is, like, the big thing. The he's on Fargo, diapers. like, he's, like, a big Fargo guy, too. Okay. Yeah, okay. so it, that's pretty much, like, his big claim to fame. I think he did some stuff on... Um, a little show called Bones. Have you ever heard of Bones? <gasps> that is yeah. the show that my sweet, sweet wife, Kathleen Anderson, used to put on after work as comfort because it was something you could not quite pay attention to yeah. and That's yet nice. enjoy. And one Sarah Sylvester and I, my other wife, yeah. would uh, watch it with her. Jason Reitman on Young Adult. Oh, Young you Adult. Know. Young Adult is sort of a sad show. Tony. Is that a Diablo Cody that's Diablo Cody, yeah. Yeah, that's a... Zack Snyder with yeah. Watchmen, but like, you know, say what you want. Everybody says that he's an, an insanely giving director. And I honestly, about him given young how adult. his movies turn yeah. out, I would agree. Yeah. <laughs> Not for nice reasons. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, David Slade did Hard Candy. And David Slade is like one of those dudes that just gets hired to direct episodes of things or movies that have already been written that people are just like who can add like a little like edge to this kind of thing he's he's yeah. just got like a little bit of and joel schumacher's in there even though it's earlier okay it's good and i so i think like what he brings to 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 get out out of this now yeah that was very fun for me i hope it was fun for it everybody kind else of, you know it's kind of a long list so yeah I, sorry know, guys why don't you tell me what you were trying to achieve with this Patrick Wilson's approach to like directing in the red door is like at the same time, in my opinion, is at the same time formulaic and also breaking rules in a way where I'm not exactly sure if it's he doesn't know that he's breaking the rules or if he's actively choosing to. There's a lot of jump scares. There's a lot of jump scares. And which notoriously, I they put in more jump scares like after the first like press screening. I actually really enjoyed that aspect of it. There's some like really funny sort of like difficult looking shots like weird shots that i'm like you didn't need to do that but uh, you're having fun he's having fun like that's and, I, and, like, and any, you know the story people can say like they don't like that like oh it no, feels it's like fine. it's kind of like uh it's kind of disjointed yeah. and like all of like the the different scenes don't flow into each other as far as like how they're shot how they're cut how they're lit and i'm like he's feeling himself out man and that's that didn't bother me what what kind of i found funny but you know, I liked that this story was supposed to center around Dalton more. And then in a sort of back convoluted way, it becomes the story of Josh again, where he's trying to repair his relationship with his son Dalton. And they both have PTSD, but they don't have good memories of why they have PTSD. But I, it's also kind of funny because... Because it's Patrick Wilson and he's like making the story about the family again. He's like, fuck Elise, fuck Specs, fuck Tucker. They're in it for two seconds. Like, he's like, Rose Byrne can kind of be in it. Yeah. Uh, they just know, give him a little it's, bit. It's really funny that he's like, no, it's about me and my boy. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. You know, like, there the story was supposed like... to be about Dalton. And he was like, actually, let's make it about the dad. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> Getting like, back we, to me. We talked about this before. Where it's like. The script was like, oh, what if Dalton went to college and then like something started happening over there? It triggered because, again, his all the house stuff. is not haunted. The boy the is boy. like that kind of thing. Yeah. And 
Patrick Wilson was probably like, I am not coming back outside of anything more than the Rose Byrne cameo. And they were like, no, but we really like you back. And the agent, his agent was just like, what if you directed? Because he wants to direct. He, he wants to start doing that. And this is the perfect avenue to do it. Lee Winnell, one of the best directors working right now, literally started in this franchise too. Right. So it's just like, you can kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. We're going to give you like $16 million. And this one. And you can do whatever you want with this script. And they made so much money. And this one is um, written by the... It's not written by Lee Winnell. It's not written by Lee Winnell. The screenwriter on it is one of the screenwriters for Halloween Kills. Yes, it is. And he's done a lot of other horror stuff. Scott Teams. He's not the primary writer because we still had David Gordon Green and we had uh, Who's He What's It's that plays... uh, Danny McBride, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, were the other writers on Halloween Kills. So I mean, it's I'd not say like he's he not the primary himself, writer but... on Red Door either. I'd say that's probably Patrick Wilson. Well, he he's probably, probably rewriting that stuff. He yeah. probably came in with the original, and then Patrick Wilson kind of made it his own. Mm-hmm. You know, because it, I think that was probably the incentive of getting Patrick Wilson to direct this. He was trying to make his directorial debut. He wasn't necessarily thinking he wanted to do horror, but because he was such good friends. With Lee Winnell and James Wan, he was sort of like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. You know, no, and absolutely. He, he wanted to make the story. They're producers yeah. on it, yeah. and it's like they'll let him kind of just do what he wants as far as because they're friends with him. Right. They're like, yeah, we yeah. trust you. Before we go on, like, quick side tangent, uh, what is your rate, like, your uh, Halloween, Halloween kills, Halloween ends? Like, how would you rank oh, them? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh. Because we've never talked about this. Uh, you know, I mean, I feel like I haven't seen them enough to like really. Do you want mine? Wait, no, let me let me no? think about okay. it. Let, let me, me think about it. Hold on, let me think about it before I am swayed by your own. Just because we got on the Scott teams of it all, and I was just like, you know, like the screenplay for Halloween Kills is actually very interesting and pretty so, cool. So you know, to be fair, I actually really liked Halloween Ends. I know a lot of people didn't. Yeah, me too. Um, I really liked it. I really liked that kid that played Corey. He was great. But I think Halloween Kills is like a really fun action piece. Yeah. You know? So, totally. um, oh, do I like Kills better than Ends? I liked Ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like... Personally, I feel like I would need to rewatch them to really give you the definitive answer. To me, I lump those two together pretty hardcore, even Ends though and they, kills. yeah, even though they're different. Interesting, you know, because okay. they're kind of like a part one, part two of a of a same story. Well, I mean, I would argue that it's actually the opposite. That like the first Halloween and Halloween Kills are a part one, part two. And That's Halloween fair. Ends is the one that takes place like years later no i know yeah. i know but i feel like it's sort of like a culmination of all these same events very true yeah. but uh yeah go for it you I tell mean, me your tell me your rank i'm rank. ends halloween kills no i know you like ends yeah oh i love ends like yeah. i i think ends is just like one of the most special horror movies well, made in the past couple if anything years. ends gave you a boy harsher as a new favorite very very so, much so yeah you know that you rock on the regular and you also rock the boy harsher channel on spotify so thanks for that at I least love it, you know love it. it's good it's good but yeah i do like that one quite a bit um but i like kills i like kills a lot yeah 
Maybe I like kills better than ends. Uh, is that okay? That's okay? fine. You're not yeah. going to disown me? No, kills is intense. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's fun. It's rough. It's like sort of like what you're looking for. Yeah. Evil dies tonight. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, Insidious the Red Door. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's, there's classic over drinkers. It's falling apart at the end. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Um, I liked Insidious the Red Door. I enjoyed it. I really liked all the jump scares. I liked seeing it in the theater. That was really fun, considering I hadn't seen all those other Insidious movies in the theater. This was a fun experience. We saw opening night. Yeah, we saw packed opening house. night. Packed house. People, people laughed. Were, people screamed. People were vocal, which I always appreciate that I'm not the only person that is like, ah, you know. They applauded yes. at the end of the movie. Yeah, interesting. It was nuts. It was. People don't do that in Marvel movies no, opening no, no. nights. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah, it was. It was interesting. It was It was a fun time. I enjoyed. I uh, went in there with fairly low expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, I was excited to see the family, the Lambert family reunited. Yeah, even that's with the big the, thing. It's like, oh, we bring them back. Yeah, even with Dalton being like a true sad boy and having no sleeves the entire movie. I mean, he's got um, the arms for it, so it's like fine. Yeah, and good, he had like the it. long hair and he's supposed to be sort of a an artiste and ha- he had the worst art teacher of all time. <laughs> uh, as somebody who wanted to major in art, Who's and, played by uh, Hayam Abbas, who plays I mean, she's a character great. in Succession she's in the great. earlier seasons of Succession. Yeah. yeah, she's got a fantastic voice. She's great. No disrespect to the actress, but, you know, the uh, the sort of, like, perception of the, like, we're going to make you destroy your work, and then we're going to do a weird exercise and sort of hypnotherapy, mm-hmm. which unlocks his inner demons and his PTSD. Yeah. But uh, everything yeah. that was suppressed by Carl's hypnosis right. is now like reactivated. Right. And, uh, you know, Barbara Hershey's dead. Lorraine. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting that it's Lorraine. Isn't Lorraine the name of, of Vera Famiglia in the Conjuring movies? Is that his wife? His wife is Lorraine, isn't it? Is it Ed and Lorraine? War? I thought Lorraine it, I think it is. I think it is. Mm. I could be wrong. But um, yeah, so so Barbara Hershey's dead. They all show up in the beginning of the movie for the funeral. It's kind of alluded that we, uh, you know, we don't hear the girl baby child talk ever. She's not a real character, but little bro is around. He seems fairly well adjusted considering all of the childhood trauma that he and his brother shared. Mm-hmm. Um, and mom is divorced. She doesn't want to hang out with dad anymore. Even though she knows what happened and he doesn't, which is kind of fucked up that she divorced him. But, you know. I mean, it, it's that whole thing where it's like she remembers the trauma that happened and she's better good and for him her trying son's to good. kill yeah. her. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. Even though it wasn't him, it's like she can't get that out of her head. Like, yeah. He was coming at her with a hammer and attempting to kill her. Like, yeah. I get it. I yeah. get it. Some scary times. And Dalton... It's an interesting thing to yeah. do, like, 10 years after the fact. And Him and Dalton like, have zero back? relationship because they're both traumatized, but yet they can't connect over their trauma because they don't remember that it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't remember how they're connected. They don't know that both of them can astral project. Yes. Right. 
But that is that key uh, to Dalton's mind is unlocked when he goes to college. Yeah. And he goes to college. And which he... is like a really good metaphor for going to college. Sure. Just like kind of like opening yourself up to who you actually are. New experiences, yeah. reinventing yourself. That's one of the funnest things about this movie yeah. is like it treats college in like that classic 80s, 90s sense of just like, you're going to go here and become who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Forget about everything yeah. else before. And it's like, nope. You have to remember who you were before. Yeah. Well, yeah. who you were shapes who you become. Yeah. You know, so there is that. We we get one comedic relief new character, friend, Chris, who is a woman, as was stressed in the recap video that Mike I mean, and I watched. We, we get that, um, like, amazing, like, 80s, 90s thing where it's like, oh, you're getting... Yeah. She's she. Her name is Crisp, so she got put into the dorm room mm, with the guy. Except like, that yeah. wouldn't happen anymore, ever. But yeah, so there is that. So she, for one night only, shares a room with our boy Dalton. They forge a friendship that continues, even when she gets her own new room and female roommate. And Dalton doesn't get a roommate. I feel like when you're in college, they they probably would have shoved some other kid in that room. I mean, right <laughs> at the start, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. yeah, you know, they'd be like, "Oh shit, what? Okay, we're gonna give this other kid your room." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Chris uh, Sinclair Daniel, she's fun. She's she's funny. She gets him out of his comfort zone because Dalton, as a eighteen year old, is kind of lame. Yeah, he's got he's some kind of like he doesn't talk really. Yeah, you know, like child Dalton seems a little self-involved more. Yeah, yeah. he's really a, a sad boy. He's he's kind of a, a little bitch, a little bit. He's got daddy issues. Yeah, like that's what I was saying at the beginning. I yeah. was like, yeah, he's a little bit of a turd. Yeah, yeah. a little turd boy. Kind of acting like Quinn in chapter three, making his artwork. Being a little brat. I don't Quinn was as much of a brat. No, not at all. No, no, uh, no. Uh, Dalton is... Uh, also, Quinn's mom died, and Dalton's parents are both still alive. They're just not the best. Yeah, he's just uh, feeling a little weird. Yeah. He's a little artist. Yeah. It's an interesting take to like kind of just like go to this where it's like, well, Dalton was always drawing the crayons. Yeah, he's like drawing. That. He's doing his thing. He's trying to get in touch with his feelings. And yet he gets... Counting back from 10 by his weird, not typical art professor. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and it triggers some scary demon hand that reaches out and grabs him mm-hmm. and cuts his hand. And then his own blood is used to color his artwork. Yeah, he's got this uh, sketch that he's made that turns into this painting. That, of a door. Of a red door. Well, no. Like a mysterious the, figure. The door becomes red with his own blood. Yeah. There's this mysterious figure in front of it that's like wielding something that slowly becomes Taking evident shape. that it's like, oh, it's Patrick Wilson with a hammer. Scary Patrick Wilson. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that that is what he remembers and not Mr. Lipstick Man. Well, this is this whole movie is about father and son, lipstick, family. It's about lipstick family. boy would have made more of a traumatic memory than my dad. Lipstick guy is just back there in He's the corner. Great. We Let's, do visit his abode yeah, again I at love, the end, which I is love very me nice. Some lipstick guy. And uh, yeah, we get some more of that. We get, we get to go through the red door. We go through the red door. Uh, Chris shows Dalton a YouTube like video of Elise. Yeah, that's first, where we get like our first no, Elise the, we get, in this. Uh, we get Specs and Tucker first, and mm-hmm. then we get Elise, and then that like 
also really triggers stuff for him. Yeah. And then he starts to astral project and be a little bit of a creep where he kind of like decides to go into Chris's room at night and like mm-hmm. walk around. Plays like the little like uh Yeah, what is that? Like the bloody blute. The like What's air piano with the whistle attached to it. I don't know what that thing's called. It yeah. was like popular in the eighties. Yeah, it's like a little piano with like a hose. Yeah. Like a little keyboard with a hose. Yeah, no thanks. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> uh while all this is going on, Josh is also kind of like trying to figure Losing out what's going on with his him. Mind. He's, he's mind. He can't he's remember shit. Figure out stuff with yeah. like memory cards and everything. He goes into to get like a, a MRI. An MRI, which is the best scene in the movie. That is one of the scariest scenes in it's the, the movie. Best scene in the movie. It's so great. It it really encapsulates like if you are like, scared of any kind of confined yes. space, then it takes which it. Which I am. Yeah. Me too. And it, it just it reaffirms why you should be it's like that's funny too like in this one episode it's coming up that it's like I'm not afraid of basements but I am afraid of tight spaces I'm like slightly claustrophobic like I'm just slightly claustrophobic Mm. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to get in there yeah but basements aren't like claustrophobic to me then it's like no it's just like a room sure it's a spooky room where spooky things happen yeah uh, that's the best scene in the movie where it's the stuff's getting like knocked around and he's well, starting the to idea see people of, like, like climbing up. Yeah, someone crawling up to you and you have nowhere to go. You have nowhere you're to trapped. go. You're trying to communicate to the person that like, you're like, no, you just push the button or say something and we'll making, pull you right it's out. Not it's working not working the way working. it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah That's exactly. the scary stuff. It's sort of the trapped in the elevator type component. Yeah, and he's dealing with, you know, just because we're already running a little long right now, but he's dealing with uh, trying to figure out like what happened to his dad at some point because he's seeing this uh, figure. Well, I don't think he even knows. That he that's doesn't know his dad. that. No, no, no. He doesn't know it's that, but like ultimately, that's what's happening. He knows he's his like, dad yeah. died. He's got this new figure that's yeah. kind of like approaching him yeah. and taunting him and. He eventually figures out that it's his dad who was also le- also mentally ill. He wasn't though. Well, well, he was mentally ill because he also could astral project and, and he was haunted yeah. by shit, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. So he suicided. He suicided. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. I shouldn't be laughing because it's not funny. I mean, the it's use, not funny, but, but it's like that term is just like tomato, tomato. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, we find out that about Josh that's like, oh, this has been something that's been passed down. Not only did he pass it down to Dalton, his father passed down to him. Yeah. His father, in an effort to try and like end the connection, Tried killed kill himself, himself. But that's but it doesn't work like works. that. Yeah. yeah. So we do get that sort of like his mom, Lorraine, Barbara Hershey, like never discussed that with him. So for him, his dad was just never there. Exactly. He didn't have the knowledge that his dad died by committing suicide. He didn't know that his dad was deemed mentally ill, mm-hmm. was in an asylum. And look, so then he mo- kind of starts to- A movie to, with daddy issues. Yeah. You love I'm it. in. Yeah. The Here Michael Burge story. That's me. There you go. It you. Everybody's got daddy issues, Michael. Not just you. Yeah. I don't know. I'd go toe-to-toe with some people for like, if there was like a prize it's at the end of it. It's not a competition and mm, there is okay. no prize All for right. trauma. That's fine. But yeah, there you go. So anyway. You just get to like Guardians of the Galaxy a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so uh, 
daddy issues are resolved in the end because everybody remembers what happened finally. Yep. Yeah. So Patrick Wilson, Josh, and Dalton both can astral project. They need to come together again in the further. Father and son Father must and become Southern one. In the further, and they have to close the goddamn red door mm-hmm. and keep it shut because yep. Lipstick Man wants to get out. Yep. And uh, yeah, what else, man? That's about it. I mean, that's like what happens in the movie. I would imagine if anybody is listening to this right now, they watched Insidious the Red Door. That's sure. what happens in the movie. What was your favorite parts of this movie besides the MRI scene? The MRI scene is good. The funeral scene is really great. I love when Patrick Wilson bumps into Carl and he's like, Carl. Do, I know you? Do I know you, man? Yeah, yeah. Carl. Yeah. And then there's that great shot of like Patrick Wilson like uh, texting. Yeah, and, and the, it's like coming up the and there's like behind him yeah, there's and a then isn't there slowly coming up. Yep. The creep factor, the the encroaching dread. Um I like the there's a little bit of from my read, I I feel like there's like a lot of uh like gay subtext to the movie. Explain. With uh Chris and Dalton. Give me more. Well, Chris... Because I didn't pick that up. We're never given any explicit. Like, Dalton's never given a love interest. I think it's supposed to be implied. This is what I mean. It's why I think it's so... No. I I think it's implied with Dalton as well. No, I think it's implied that they are supposed to be sort of romantic, but not... Oh, absolutely not. I don't think so at all. I think it's supposed to be like... They care about each other. That's his new friend. They care about each other a lot, but there is like initially zero like sexual. It doesn't like, really matter to the story. No, exactly. I think that that's. But purposeful. then I don't necessarily think that there's any gay subtext to it. No, I think that they're both gay. I didn't think that watching it. I it mean, didn't occur to me. Yeah. That that was my read on it because like the whole time that he's like walking through the party and stuff like that, there's never like. What do you think about her? Like, oh, she's hot. Or, there's no, there's right, nothing that it, needs to happen for the story. But because that doesn't happen. Yeah, but just because it's not commented on doesn't sure. mean it's not, you know. Totally. We don't have to speculate. Yeah. No, no. no I, I, I'm not trying to say like that's exactly what they were trying to do. But I do think that like there is a read in there where it's like yeah. that could be a reason also maybe why he feels so disconnected from his dad and he's not. Saying know. anything. I feel like that's adding extra stuff to it. Yeah. But I'm not saying, you know, it, it can't be, but it just never even occurred to me that that would be the case in mm-hmm. that plot. But yeah. yeah no, no I, I don't think that that's like, again, like as you said, like it's not implied in the movie. They never do like any specifics that would say like, oh, this is what it is. Yeah. And I kind of like that about it where like the implication can come across where you can have a like a, a a male character and a female character on screen together and they are friends and they're going into the dorms and they are well, in I, college and there's yeah. absolutely zero sexual chemistry or confliction or tension between well, them. Well, there can there can be tension or chemistry, but that doesn't have to be the focal point of this movie. Like the focal no. point of this movie is rebuilding that father-son family relationship. Yes. And because Patrick Wilson directed it. Because Patrick Wilson directed it. He's like, it. no, I am daddy. He's it is like, about, I will reclaim it is about my boy for daddy. And me. Yeah. yeah, and also, you know, definitely in the college, 
framework using that as the setup, it's a lot more likely for boys and girls to be friends and to even if they oh totally yeah, no I'm not like, saying like that's not a possibility know. of what's going on yeah. in it I'm, my read was that because hmm. Chris didn't even think about Chris that. never showed any attraction to anybody girl or boy these people are in college we don't really get that much backstory on anybody this is what I mean yeah like I feel that like that's anything, intentional though. I feel like it's like well we're not gonna actually say it out loud Rrr. because that would be kind of like Rrr. I don't know I feel like this is a weird tangent that now we're just gonna, let's wrap it up it's fun I like it <laughs> okay it's a thing that I liked about it what'd you like about it uh not that so I don't know <laughs> um I think I'm good I think I'm done I think I've had enough yeah. All right. Done deal. We've talked about all the insidious movies. I liked, I liked when Dalton calls his brother and is like, hey, remember that time? And his brother's just like, why are you bothering me? Are you yeah. a loser? You don't have any friends at college? Do you want to talk to our sister that doesn't exist? Yeah, no. He's like, do you want to talk to mom? He doesn't even yeah. he doesn't even mention their sister because she doesn't fucking exist. What was her name? Like Chrissy or something? Come on, man. Crystal? We just said her name like I don't two know. What was her ago. name? Kaylee. Ah, psh, whatever. That's Nobody not a real name. Kaylee. That's a that's a made up white person name. C A L Y. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Overdrinkers. Take us out. Um, you can subscribe, like, listen, subscribe to Story Screen Presents, which is our podcast channel. And please check us out on StoryScreenPresents.com. We have a load of movie reviews articles that are deep dives into anniversaries we've got a great 30th anniversary of searching for bobby fisher by one damian masterson we've got some great uh anniversary piece about the fugitive by ria Banerjee. there's some great writers out there on our site click on that content button and we also have tons of events coming up so if you're local to the hudson valley check out that events page summer free summer ticketed We've got loads of stuff, and uh, you should come hang out and watch movies with us. We're going to have spooky season soon, and I'm excited for it. Oh, heck yeah. We're about to solidify our horror show lineup, and we're going to announce that pretty soon. And uh, if you keep listening to Story Screen Presents, I feel like we're going to have some good banger episodes coming up with our Freaking Out with Flanagan, because we've got the Fall of the House of Usher Oof, coming up, yeah. dropping in early October, and I am excited about it. we so, got to yeah. do Midnight Mass. We don't have to do Midnight Mass first. But we'll when talk does House about of Usher come out? Like uh, early October, which is sooner than you think. So we got to do Midnight yeah. Mass in September. No, no, no. Maybe, This maybe, is not maybe. to be talked about on air. Oh, okay. we don't talk about this on air. All right. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, again, if you are not a Patreon uh, member, you should be because we got a bunch of fun stuff on there too. So sign up for that at StoryScreenPresents.com. Dude, there's good stuff on there. And You're going to love us. Like if you free, think this is cards. good. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace. Bye.